It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike alongside Joey Medor on this 13th day of October. 6.06 on the clock and 68 degrees and sunny outside here in southeast Ohio. It's a Sports Fan presented by J&K Contracting. And uh, Joey, a big week coming up this week. Of course, we've got Trumbull Tomcats on the radio coming up on Friday. And the Nelson New York Buckeyes on Saturday. Both games will be over on WXTQ. Power 105, 105.5 FM. Uh, myself and Heath Clemens will go out, call those games. It's the second round of the OHSAA playoffs. Looking forward to it. Both teams, both Trimble and Ellsville, New York, got buys. Uh, so that's coming up later this week. And, of course, we'll preview that later on in the week. But, you know, preview it a little bit. What's You know, we, we talked a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. And, you know, it's a big matchup for the Bengals and another test this week as Cincinnati takes on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Colts defense faltered a little bit last week as they gave up 30-plus points to the Browns. But for Indianapolis, you know, it's a, a game that a lot of people are predicting to be a, a win for Indianapolis. And even with their aging quarterback and Phillip Rivers, who's thrown for 1,200-plus yards so far this year, four touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, Colts have some problems on offense, but, you know, they, they've got a pretty pretty good defense uh, that they will test, again, the Bengals' offense this week. Yeah, it's a team in the Colts that uh, they struggle to push the ball down the field. I think Phillip Rivers has shown, you know, to be, you know, we're talking about the kind of the year of the washed-up quarterbacks uh, when it comes, you know, people said it about Brady, said it about Breeze last night before he led, uh, led the comeback win in overtime for the Saints. And uh, Phillip Rivers, I think, is kind of the embodiment of that. I mean, he just, when you watch him play this year, there's no threat for him to hit a deep ball down the field unless someone's screaming wide open, you know. He's... Uh, and plus, he plays very risky, so the, the Bengals are going to have to be opportunistic. I mean, he's thrown, I believe, five interceptions in the first five weeks of the season so far. That's correct, right? Yeah, five interceptions. Yeah, so averaging one a game to this point. He threw two last week against Cleveland, and Cleveland's been a defense that, that hasn't been good at all this year. Um, and uh, they struggled to move the ball down the field despite, I mean, they scored an opening drive touchdown and only had one more uh, touchdown. It was off a kickoff return the rest of the game. So that, that's a big problem. Yeah, so the Bengals' defense... If they keep up what they did last week, you know, they slowed down a, an offense in the Ravens this year that hasn't been firing all cylinders per se. Uh, but, you know, some people starting to speculate perhaps Jackson was a little banged up. If you remember last week, he didn't practice for, the, for those couple days there at the end of the week. Maybe that affected it. But either way, the, the Bengals did what they had to do on defense to keep them somewhat in the game. I mean, obviously the offense had nothing going for them at all. But... So if you can do what you did again defensively, hold them to around you know, 17, 20 points, this Colts offense is not a quick strike offense. They maneuver the ball down the field, uh, take long six, seven, eight-minute drives to get down the field. So if you can just have some of those drives stall out, it's even to keep you in the game. Now the offense, you know, the Colts are going to have to watch that film from last week, right, and say, we just got to blitz the heck out of them. I mean, that's, that's what the Ravens did, and, and they got home over and over and over again. And this Browns, or excuse me, this uh, Bengals offensive line just looked completely overwhelmed. Now, as we talked about yesterday, some of the sacks are on Burrow, and that's a rookie, you know, holding on to the ball too long sometimes, trying to make a play down the field that isn't there, and then it led to some fumbles and big losses and things like that too. 
they got to get back to getting the ball out of his hand quickly. You know, that's how they were able to get the ball down the field in those in that Browns game where they scored 30 points in the Jags game where they had over 500 yards of offense. Uh, even in that Chargers game, the little offensive production they had was when Burrow was getting the ball out fast and uh, hitting them on slants and curls and short routes like that to move the ball down the field, long sustained drives. This hasn't been a big play offense throughout most of the season when they've had success. So they got to get back to that and try to get uh, Burrow a little less happy feet in the pocket, give him some time to sit back there and deliver the football. And again, get Joe Mixon involved. Uh, that's going to be a big part in this game as well. We see when Mixon has good games, as we saw in the Jacksonville game, the offense is quite efficient. And, uh, you know, they try to get him involved in the passing game a couple times on Sunday, but Burrow just missed them or the screens just weren't there. The Ravens defense was swarming on that day. But, yeah, it doesn't get any easier for the offense. You're playing another team that's got a top-five defense. Uh, Darius Leonard should be back for the Colts this week. He missed the pass game. And, uh, and, you know, just talking about some injuries, the Bengals, I mean, they got a couple big blows. Uh, Re- DJ Reader, who was brought in to be their run stuffer, is out for the rest of the season. And they also got Hubbard, who uh, is a big part of the pass rush, who's got a wrist injury. I think he's not expected to play this week as well. And you would assume the Colts are going to, with that being how it is, you would assume the Colts are going to pound the ball with Jonathan Taylor and try to really milk up some clock and uh, grind one out. Well, yeah, Sam Hubbard right now listed as questionable. That was as of... The 11th, uh, Mackenzie Alexander is listed out. John Ross is listed out. And A.J. Green is listed as questionable. Those are all the injuries or potential injuries right there for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and of course, um, still early in the week, so questionable, yeah. you know, not, you know, obviously you got to take that with, you know, a grain of salt there. Right. I mean, you saw, what was it, Lamar Jackson was, was questionable at one point last week, but he was fine. Right. Might be a little bit banged up, but uh, not not as much as to, you know, affect the game at all you, you expected the ravens to do what they did um but still you know as as per injuries not a whole lot you know i mean obviously you, you'd like to have hubbard in there um if he's able to go um you know john ross has been a non-factor all season long you know i wouldn't be surprised if he was off the team at the end of the year and then aj green you know, something's got to happen with him either you see some improvement or maybe you know, maybe, maybe down the road you could see him traded. You could see hopefully he improves. I mean, you want him to stay and, and be productive as he has been in his whole career. But with A.J. Green right now, this is questionable. Only two, uh, two outs for the Colts as of this weekend. Uh, Anthony Castanzo, Castanzo and uh, Larry, uh, Darius Leonard uh, both out for the Colts. But... You know, right now, ESPN's got it as a 67% chance that, that uh, Indianapolis takes this one from the, the Bengals. But if they get their offense going like you've been talking about, Joey, if they're able to, you know, hit those quick slants, if they're able to protect Joe, you know, I, I could see them maybe squeaking out somewhat of a of a win if and only if the defense performs the way that they did against Baltimore this past weekend because the defense was a nice surprise. I, I thought that they held Lamar Jackson in check. He wasn't able to scramble a whole lot. Not that you have to worry about the scramble against Phillip Rivers. You know, he's getting up there in age. He is up there in age. Yeah, he, a, could never really, he could never run when he was young, so you don't right. have to worry about him escaping. You, right. I mean, you don't have to worry about him scrambling or anything like that. But, you know, the coverage was, was getting slowly better and better. It's taking Taylor out of the game, who's their leading rusher coming up, uh, and then, you know, getting the job done on offense. But if the defense plays the way it played, I, I, I say there's a shot that, you know, Cincinnati is definitely going to be in this game. Yeah, no, and you look at the defensive splits here, and, you know, 
obviously it's a bad overall. They give up over 400 yards a game, and that's obviously going to cause some problems. But the pass defense has been in the top half of the league, so they've been pretty good at limiting the big plays down the field in the passing game so far this season. I mean, even the, in the game against the Ravens, you know, it's, most of the plays were uh, some about 10-yard outs and things like that and, you know, some yards after the catch came. But, you know, Jackson and the Ravens really struggled to hit a big play down the field. The coverage was good. They have struggled in the run, though. They give up 150 rush yards a game. That's 27th in the league, and you'd have to assume that's going to be the Colts' game plan here because I think you really saw in the Browns game just uh, just the limitations that you have with Phillip Rivers as your quarterback this year. And, you know, this is a game that if the Colts are trying to win, you can't, you can't keep them around with turnovers and throwing dumb passes in the double coverage and getting them picked off like he did against, uh, like he did against Cleveland. I mean, he threw a pick six. That, that changed the game a lot at that point, and it kind of – kind of sunk them at that point because you just had a feeling that they weren't going to be able to overcome a two-score deficit with just how their offense hasn't uh, shown the ability to move down the field quickly and get a quick score when they've had to. But on the other side of the ball, I mean, I just don't know. I feel like this could be another tough day for the O-line because you're going against the first overall defense in yards, the first in the pass, they're fourth against the rush. Uh, this is the legit Colts defense. If they had a quarterback this year, this team could be a real you know, top three, top four team in the AFC, I think, but Unfortunately, they got a limitation there. So it's going to be another tough matchup for Cincinnati. They just don't, they just don't match up well. Uh, this this O-line, I think after watching Sunday's game, you have to just, this is what it's going to be all year until you play a team with just a, a god-awful pass rush. But the like Ravens, Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There's no one on Jacksonville's front that really scares you. Maybe Miles Jack, but, you know, he hasn't really done anything too spectacular this year in the past couple of years. But, I mean, the Ravens are, are a team that, you know, they're up there in quarterback hurries, but they haven't been up there in sacks. And, you know, they picked up seven. And a lot of them were just not picking up blitzes, free runners coming in. They had five sacks with defensive backs. So that's how you know they were getting exotic in their, in their blitz schemes. It's never been happened before in the NFL where five different defensive backs have had a sack in a game, which is, is crazy to think about how, how dialed in they were. But most of them were free runners. Yeah, untouched right through. But yeah, the one as we when we take a look at you know familiar opponents or common opponents for this year for the Colts, right? I mean, what they do last year is different than than what they do this year. And yes, they have a, a very good defense, uh, but they lost to Jacksonville Week One. They beat the Vikings twenty-eight eleven. Uh, Jets are barely a professional football team at this point. They crushed them. Uh, barely. I think if you combine the two yeah. New York teams, it's barely a professional team at this point. And that's what I said yesterday. I mean, the Giants, I have more hope in them with Daniel Jones than I do right now with an injured Sam Darnold, who seems like he's got something wrong each each and every year. And the, the whole organization is, has just been bad ever since uh, you know, Rex Ryan and, and Mark Sanchez. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's gone downhill from there. But for the Colts... They had Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, as their quarterback last year. They thought they were going to try to improve and, and have a uh, established quarterback in Phillip Rivers this year. More interceptions than he's thrown touchdowns. Uh, and really, uh, not a whole lot of... They beat up on a bad Jet team, 36-7. to yeah. They put up 20 points against Jacksonville. And, you know, Bengals uh, beat Jacksonville. Uh, they, they won against the Vikings, 28 they lost to the Browns again last week, uh, 32-23. So, uh, yes, while this team has a very good defense, you saw it when team 
you saw the Ravens, who had a very good defense, and they got lit up by Patrick Mahomes. So it's when you have a good offense, and if you're able to get that offense going again and protect Joe like you did against Jacksonville, well, then, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have a shot in beating the Colts and getting your second win of the season. And I think that there's a good opportunity here as long as you protect. Now, the offensive line through five weeks have not, except for one week, have not been able to protect him. But if you can protect him just for a little bit, give him three, four seconds, that's it. I, I think that they can go out there and win this game this week. I don't think the Colts are world beaters, and they don't have an offense to go out there and really, you know, it's not spectacular. But they get the job done week in and week out. Uh, but it's just got to go out there, do your job, and I, th I think it's a winnable game coming up this week for them. Well, I mean, I think you're going to see a similar game to week one. There won't be a lot of offense because um, just I just think the Colts' offense is that bad. Uh, you know, they they put up some points on a couple on a couple bad teams like the Jets and Vikings. But when it came to the Bears game, only scored 19. Luckily, the Bears don't really have an offense either this year, so their defense, they would hold them to 11. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a similar to that Sandy, or, excuse me, Los Angeles game week one against the Chargers. It was 16-13. Final score, really grinded out type of game where you're, you know, having the ball is going to be very important, just getting points when you can because despite – I mean, this Bengals defense has shown when they play an offense that's not that good, they can hold them down. I mean, when they face Tyrod Taylor week one, who a good backup option, but not uh, not the greatest starting quarterback ever. They held him to 16 points, and they really looked inept throughout most of the game. But unfortunately, the offense wasn't able to answer the call of the defense. I'm not quite sure we'd be thinking that before the season started, but when you don't have an O-line, it doesn't matter. You can't do anything, and they're just... They get dominated up front anytime they face any any team that has any kind of semblance of decency in the front seven. And the Colts on the back end, Xavier Rhodes has been having a, a good season, uh, kind of a resurgence year for him after after getting run out of town in Minnesota. So they, they, they got a good defense. They're top number one against the pass. So, you know, that might not be there. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball too successfully because they just don't have the guys up front. It's an unfortunate reality, but when you don't have an O-line, man, it, you just – you can't do anything. That's just how literally how it is. I, right. Not too much analysis to throw into it. There, their, their O line kind of stinks, and that's just uh, that's just the reality of the situation. You got to try to fix it in the off season. Uh, I don't think there's any short term really, unless someone figures out something. Some light bulbs start going off for those front five guys at some point here. Uh, they just get manhandled. And you know you're right because if you're taking away the run. Right, because if you don't have any offensive line, it's going to be very hard to get Joe Mixon going. Because uh, if he's getting hit in the backfield the whole time, uh, it's going to be a, a rough day for Mixon. It's going to be a rough day for Burrow. But you know, if you get that run going, then you keep the defense, you know, off their game plan. You you keep them guessing whichever one it goes. Throw a couple play actions in there. Um, but if you already take away the run without the offensive line, you know that. You know, Joe's going to go out there and throw, what, 50, 60 times again. Uh, and when you do that, well, yeah, he can hit your short passes. You know, he's still going to get the high completion, uh, you know, if he has a little bit of time, more than two seconds. But it, it's very predictable when you don't have an offensive line because if you don't have a running game, you just have to game plan for the for the pass. And when you do that, you know, it, it keeps a lot of defenses you know, giddy. You know, because you could see the smiles on that 
Baltimore Raven defense. They knew what they were in for as soon as that game started. They knew that they were going to get through, and they knew that you know, that, that defense was going to dominate. Oh, my God. Uh, and was, that's what they did. Yeah, it was good. Everybody gets a sack. <laughs> they were setting whoever the heck they wanted, and they were going to go get one. I mean, Marlon Humphrey got a sack. Marcus Peters got a sack. Uh, you know, Jimmy Smith. I mean, these are defensive backs. The Sean Elliott, Chuck Clark, their whole starting defensive backfield. Oh, they all got it sack. It was just whoever wants one, go get it. And, uh, yeah, I, they did whatever they wanted, and it, was, it just really exposed. You just saw how far away the, ba- the Bengals really are from, from being a, a, a semblance of some kind of competitor. I mean, I know some people obviously are excited. New rookie quarterback had some success in the past couple weeks, but uh, – they brought him back down to earth on Sunday, so there's a ch- you got a chance to make some kind of resurgence if you can step up to this good defense. But once again, I just think they're going to have a lot of fits offensively. They're not going to be able to muster up enough. And even though Phillip Rivers is aging and nowhere near the player he used to be, and uh, the Colts offense doesn't scare you, really. I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor's been all right as a rookie, but he gets the ball 30 times a game because they can't do anything else uh, so that, that kind of helps him get his yards up a little bit there. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I mean, he's another one. He's aging. I mean, he still makes some plays. He's a leading receiver right now. Uh, but other than that, there's no one on that offense that scares you. They don't really have any weapons that um, should cause Bengals any issues, which is why I think they can hang around in this game, as you mentioned. That's why the, I saw the, the spread was 7.5. I think that might be a little steep there um, just because the Bengals haven't been blown out besides, besides the Ravens game. The Colts are not the Ravens, uh, nowhere close. Right. So I think they will be able to hang around, keep it within at least two scores this week. And, and I think it'll be a ball game to the end. As I said, I think it'll be a, a sloppy, you know, 17-14 type of game, not a whole lot of offense. And it's a game that could go either way. Yeah, it, it just depends on does the, the Bengals' defense step up. If they step up, make their plays, I think you know, Bengals can oh, be in for Rivers is going to throw you one or two, so if you take advantage of it, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can hang around in the game. Yep. Take advantage of the turnovers, turn it into points. You need more than a field goal in this game, and I think that they can do it. Uh, I would definitely, you know, overall have more optimism in the in the Bengals team than I would have in the Colts in the future. You know, because the, the Colts offense right now, like you said, it's aging. You know, it's not really clicking on all cylinders. I'd still, at least you know with, with the Bengals that you have your franchise quarterback. You have a very talented running back, and you, know, you have a, a nice young wide receiving core. I mean, you got Boyd, you got Higgins. Uh, you, know, you have a couple other options there where you can go out there and, and say, yes, we have our core group of guys. Now it's just getting somebody who can go up there and block uh, block for Joe. Both of them. Well, Mixon and Burrow. I, I was about to say, I mean, they should, I, the Bengals probably win in every other offensive position group, but right. one thing that the Colts dominate in is their own line. Rivers has time to sit back there and throw the ball. They got some studs up there and Quinn and Nelson. Costanzo, you mentioned he's out for this game, but he's another one that's really good. They spent a lot of draft picks and time developing that O-line, and their O-line would absolutely maul the bat. It's not even comparable, the Colts O-line, to, to Cincinnati's. Right, but at least you have your number one thing that you need to accomplish in the offseason, or you're going to buy trade. I mean, the trade deadline is three weeks from today, so you got to go out there and do something. Um, if not this year, then in the offseason, but you don't have to go. It's not every single piece now needs to be replaced. It's fix the offensive line. Maybe get another... You know, long-distance wide receiver, somebody who can separate like a uh, Robbie Anderson-type uh, wide receiver. But, you know, that's that's fixable. You, know, you can go into the offseason. There's still a lot of optimism around this team. I don't want to take that away from anybody. This is still a, a fun team to watch, 
when they're not playing the Ravens. You know, when, when they can go out there and still compete, you know, it's more to say that it's better this year than it was last year. Uh, so it's you know, still a fun team. It's still going to be a, a good game. It, it's a winnable game come this Sunday. Uh, but, you know, that, that one problem that we keep on harping on, and it is a problem that we will keep on harping on all season long until it fixes, is that offensive line. And you got to fix that offensive line some way, somehow, this before the trade deadline, somehow, or especially in the draft or through the free agent market. Yeah, that's absolutely. what they got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, kind of, you kind of just said it all there. Well, the game is in Indianapolis. Yes. Yeah. And uh, well, I think that's a good sign then because Zach Taylor has yet to win an away game. Yeah. So well, oh two and one in the away games this year. They had a winnable game against the Eagles. Was yeah. a. No, that was a home game against the uh, the Chargers in the beginning of the season. Yep. So th- this is a winnable away game. I expect it to be close. I expect it, you know, it, it, a lot of question marks still. Can the offensive line block? Well, they haven't proven that they can. Until they can, I'll say no. Uh, but if they do step up, I think it's a, a Cincinnati win. I just think you also got to change your game plan from last week. They were trying to drop back three and five steps and throw the ball down the field when you knew you weren't going to have time to throw the football. That's it. That we literally talked about it previewing that Ravens game last week, that they were going to have to get the ball out quickly, and there seemed to be no emphasis of, uh, of trying to do that at all. Um, and, you know, Zach Taylor, you got to think, I mean, kind of got out-schemed in that one. Uh, Wink Martindale for Baltimore knew that if he brought the house, they were going to struggle, and Taylor didn't adjust to get the ball out quick and try to run some screen plays, take advantage of the aggressive defense, and throw some underneath routes. But, you know, they just they just weren't able to do it. And there were a couple times that they were open, and Joe missed the throw. I understand he was under the rest most of the game, but, you know. All the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they're plays you got to have if you're going to if you're gonna hang in there with, with a team like Baltimore. Right. You know, and the interception was terrible too um well yeah it, it was i yeah it was i mean there's nothing it was a bad interception but he's only thrown three uh two to one touchdowns to interception ratio right now he's still doing pretty good he's still going out there despite you know the offensive line you know hindering him uh <laughs> almost to their best ability but I, I I think they want to go out there and do a good job i just don't think that they can be capable of going out there and doing a good job um, but wait and see, see what happens this Sunday. I anticipate an exciting game. Of course, all of you will be listening to it or watching it. Of course, you can get all the Cincinnati Bengals games right here on 970 WATH, and you got the sports fan right here on 970 WATH as well. Your calls and more at 740-592-6646, 740 We'll take a short break. It's a sports fan presented by Jen K Contracting on 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Fruit has curbside pickup. Call your fruit to place a curbside order today. Simply call Fruit General Store or Fruit Pharmacy and tell our friendly fruit associates what you need. Once your order is ready, a fruit associate will let you know you can come pick up. Upon arrival, call your store and a staff member will bring your purchase to your car. 
Thanks for shopping with us. Fruit is proud to be a part of your community. Visit us at fruitpharmacy.com. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's Care from the Heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice. We celebrate life. In today's world, the last thing you need is a broken cell phone. If you've got equipment in need of repair, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair is here to help. Athens Electronic Repair services all brands of electronics, cell phones, tablets, game systems, and more. Plus, during the health crisis, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair offers home pickup and delivery and a contact-free drop-off kiosk outside the store. Don't work from home with a busted computer. Call Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair at 740-590-1670. 77 or visit the shop at 386 Richland Avenue, Athens. Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? Well, Boots is a man of many talents and his knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey, Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of what band? The Cars. What was Gary Newman's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you'd like to add? Cars, cars, cars. 57 Chevy. That's Auto Smarts. Friday afternoons at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. That's say 57 Chevy? Cars, cars, cars. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. It's a sports fan right here on the 97s of WATH, 631 on the clock on this 13th day of October. Knows the mic along with Joe Medora, and our phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. Got an interesting story sent to us this morning. You know, Trevor's found your uh, your uh, your Twitter. He's been sending you stuff, too. It, it's, uh, it's great. He always finds the uh, the most interesting things, and this one comes from the newsherald.com. Uh, Greater Cleveland football navigated in the pandemic back in 1918, but uh, the last shortened season for the Athens Bulldogs in 1918, uh, they went 1-0. They beat Jackson 39-0 at home. Uh, the game was played in early August, but well, that's an interesting fact. Back in 1918, I mean, that's... Uh, Pretty impressive, A, that somebody has stats like that, and B, uh, you know, that was the shortest season, and this was, you know, the second shortest season from 1918 all the way here to 2020. Of course, they played only six games this year as the Wellston game was canceled, and I don't think that game, uh, I almost know for a fact that game is not getting made up. I heard, uh, you know, the season has come to a close for the Bulldogs. I don't think they're going to have any other games beyond last week. Uh, so they wrap up, and of course those seniors can hold up their heads held high and go into the basketball season as they get ready for some basketball. But uh, yep, it, it's, it is the, the second shortest season for the Bulldogs again since 1918. Uh, back when World War One was happening, back when the, another pandemic was happening, uh, back all the way back then. But yeah, it, it, I found it interesting because you never, it's always I like reading about the history, reading about the stats and such. Uh, but to get an old nugget like that is is pretty cool. I can guarantee you, no one at my high school has any idea what happened to the football team in 1918. So it's pretty impressive that uh, they have records dating back that far. And that is an interesting little nugget there. So I suppose that meant the season had to get uh, what suspended for was what was the pan- Spanish flu back then? Was that the one? Yeah, they say World War One was happening, and the government ordered uh, the suspension of all high school, college ah. sports to turn them into war. 
uh, war training camps. That's right. So, I mean, you're dealing with World Get War I. Get boys. You're going out you got Europe. A, a, pan, a pandemic going on back then. You know, it was uh, you know, almost minus the war. I mean, it's close to today. I uh, mean, does anyone know what your high school did in 1918? Football-wise, uh, I, gu I guarantee... I don't even know if my high school was existing back then. That's a good point. I could, yeah, that's. Uh, I can tell you, it was a different. Point. It was a different name, and I know nobody knows the high school that I went to, and I don't think anybody cares about the high school I went to back in New Jersey. But uh, they they did change the name back in 1950, so it would have been either another name, and it might not have even existed. It might have been just been farmland uh, at that time. Still has farmland around the high school, but. Uh, you know, at least, you know, they were able to have their season in. They were able to get through what they needed to get through and, you know, got some valuable experience as they head into next year. Uh, but a couple teams right now, you know, let's say Florida, number 10 in the AP poll, Florida has had to pause all team activities today because of an increase of COVID-19 tests. Uh, and they tested positive among those players. Athletic Director Scott Strickland says the decision was made out of an abundance of caution. Strickland says Coach Dan Mullen has had conversations with players and their parents and adds that uh, Saturday's opponent, defending national champion LSU, uh, they've spoken with Texas A&M uh, so that they're in communications with all the teams that they've been playing. And Strickland says the situation will be reevaluated by University of Florida Health and the Athletic Department Sports Medicine staff tomorrow. Um, we have a game tonight in the NFL that got postponed because of COVID with the Titans pushing it, and you got the Titans and Bills tonight. Uh, at the college level, you've got teams that are, yeah, in in they're fluctuating right now. Yeah, Big Ten hasn't come back yet. They'll come back on the 24th. Uh, Bobcats come back on on November 4th in the Mid American Conference. But you know they it's still juggling a lot of things right now at, at the college level, and you know, Florida has to halt what they've been doing. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious that after their loss to A&M, Mullen was blaming the fact that, or he was, I don't think he was blaming anything. He was just talking about A&M had fans in the stadium. He was really wishing that his team could have so many fans in the stadium. It's just, uh, Florida's a mess. Like, <laughs> they're going to have to sell out their stadiums and stuff, and they're trying to, you know, obviously have an outbreak on the team that we're hearing about. And it's starting to happen across other colleges. It just makes, I we, we talked about this, Connor, in the summer, talking about sports fans. It's really hard in college to – I know a lot of colleges have done online classes across the country, but, you know, other places they're not. They're doing in person for some people. So it's really hard as a student athlete to avoid other people, right? Like you and I, we can go – we don't have to worry about, you know uh, – we can just hang out in our apartment or whatever and come here and work, and that's we're just around the same amount of people every single day. As a student athlete, you're around everybody on your team which for a college football team can be up 80, 90, 100 guys, then you're all possibly going to class with, a, you know, 80, 90, 100 other people that you're coming into contact with and everything else. You have to walk around the campus all day and just you're, you have to go a lot of places. There's, it's very hard to lock yourself down and avoid unless they made some kind of special rule for just athletes could be online. So I think that's why we're seeing this with, with football teams and these conferences have been playing that, you know, they're just – they can't avoid people, and that's how this thing spreads. The more people you see, the more likely you're going to catch it from somebody, especially with, you're probably going to run into someone who's asymptomatic, doesn't know they have it in the first place. Right. So I, it's just so hard for these guys to do this. Uh, I'm, I, I don't think the season is going to get shut down, but at the same time, I mean, it's just like when it, if you have multiple weeks, like we're seeing with the Titans in the NFL where you just keep – 
not being able to play. I mean, what do you do? You can't just keep, you know, changing the goalposts for when the season's going to end. You got to have a set date at some point. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough situation, but it's, you know, we're we're starting to try to open it up and have more and more fans in the stands. But really, haven't figured out a way to keep the players from not getting in the first place. Right, and you always want to take the health and safety of of others into consideration first and foremost. And that's why everything over the summer was shut down. That's why you had, you know, baseball. That's why you had, you know, the basketball tournaments. I mean, this is going all the way back to March. And I know I don't have to tell you that. You know, I mean, this has been ongoing. And it was foreseen that there could be an uptick. And that's why, you know, to drop down to to high school level, that's why they shortened the high school season because they foresaw that there could be some covid uh, concerns as we get into the colder months, as we go in deeper into the you know fall season for sports, and as we're seeing at the collegiate level right now, well, yeah, I mean it is getting more difficult to contain it. I mean we had Oregon, or uh, maybe even Oregon and Baylor. I think both teams kind of had a, a little bit of an issue with uh, the pandemic uh, with their football programs, but you know, you have these schools that are trying to you know maintain the protocols, maintain. Uh, the random testing, maintain, you know, their sports program, uh, and then also take the financial stuff into consideration because it's been a financial strain on everybody. Um, But it is hard to do it, like you said, at the collegiate level. You have teams traveling all over the place. I mean, for, let's take Notre Dame, for example. You know, Notre Dame's got to go all the way to Clemson. You know, you've got Rutgers and Ohio State playing. You've got, you know, all these teams that are across. It's not just, you know, conferences are within their state, which is why, you know, OHSAA is able to play, which is why, you know, NBA did a terrific job with maintaining the coronavirus in their bubble. You know, not even, not a single person tested positive, which which was very impressive with the way they've been able to do everything. Uh, But for college, you know, you got this travel between teams, even though you're staying in conference, and a lot of teams went to just conference-only schedules, well, you're still going from New Jersey to Ohio to Indiana to wherever you have these teams at. SEC, you got Texas, Louisiana, Alabama. You know, you're know, you going statewide. You're, going, you're, you're crossing the state. It's different if it's professional sports. It's different you know, if you're staying within your own state, within your own little confined area. But you know, for, for college students, college athletes... It's hard to stay inside, and that's the demographic that's been hitting big with the uh, with the virus so far. That, that's when the biggest numbers are. But yeah, you know, it, it, it's very hard to maintain that, and it, it is getting increasingly difficult for teams to try to keep it under control as we go through this football season. Yeah, and as I said, I mean, professional athletes go to practice facility and just go right back home, and that's what they're supposed to be doing to continue to play. And they're getting paid millions of dollars to go and do that. A college athlete, if they have classes, can't just go to practice and go back home and avoid uh, other people. Most athletes are living in dorms that have, you know, regular students in them that aren't even athletes. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just a tough thing to maintain at the college level. And it's, you know, you got to look at the Big Ten and the Mac, right? It's just like, you guys waited so long to start. I mean, what happens if you have an outbreak? What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you got to be playing until February? I mean, <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, 
I mean, the the Big Ten and the MAC and other conferences that delayed this long don't didn't really leave much uh, much room for error. So they better hope. So, uh, you know, some conference, they better hope that whoever made the rules for their conference figured it out fast and that they're going to have some kind of plan that works. Because otherwise, we have these teams start dropping, you know, 10, 15 COVID cases in a week. I mean, I don't know how far you're going to push the games back to, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be something to see here coming up. Uh, obviously, we just hope it doesn't happen in the first place and don't have to worry about it. They play their six game schedule, at whatever bulk, whatever postseason they're going to do in college this year and move on. But um yeah, it's, I don't know. I just think we're going to keep seeing these outbreaks, these teams, uh, and around colleges. I mean, you know. I th- well, I'll, I'll tell you the good news, right? The good news is, you know, the Mid-American Conference is coming back. They have that schedule planned out. And in a Zoom press conference yesterday with uh, the head coach of the football program, Frank Solich, he said via Zoom that the Bobcats have not had a single positive test over the, the same time frame, and, you know, he also put that caveat in there, which was, you know, I, it can be taken away at any time. It can happen to your team. It can happen to you. Jason Arkley put out that uh, that tweet on there with the quote. Um, That's true. They haven't gone anywhere yet, though. They, are, they haven't gone. It's yet. just them. It's them, but they're doing the right thing, which, which is always a positive. Like, you, you want to make sure that they're doing the right thing here so when they go out to different places to on a road trip, that they're going to do the right thing there as well. And it, it's good to see that doing it here. Now you got to be concerned about what happens when, you know, you have another team that comes into Athens and, you know, the first game is away at Central Michigan. You know, but what about when you host somebody? You know, what, what happens there? I mean, you gotta, you're away at Miami. Um, you got a, a six-week schedule. But you know, as long as they continue to do the right things, I think Ohio at least will be all right. The state as a whole, yes, the numbers have been trending up but you know over the past couple months i think all things considered the, the statewide has, has done a, a nice job trying to contain and slow the spread um but you know as we get ready as we have these games coming you know ohio state's starting up not too long in about a week about 10 days from tomorrow uh and then with with ohio coming back we'll wait and see but it, it's good that you know, they have not had a, a positive test in that time frame, which was what you know, Solich was, was quoted as saying the other day. That means they've been doing the right thing. That means, you know, the athletics has been doing the right thing. Um, and on the other side of that, you know, not too long ago, yesterday, they released, you know, the winter sports operational plan and uh, the fall sports operational plan. So the, the Mid-American Conference getting together, figuring out a plan and setting some dates uh, for the you know, conference tournament which would be for sports like volleyball, women's soccer, field hockey, because those teams, you know, it, it's one thing to say, yes, you got football coming back and you have football playing, but you also don't have volleyball. You don't have, you know, field hockey playing in their correct season. You don't have women's soccer playing, uh, at least, you know, for Ohio at, at the right time of the year. And it's nice to see, you know, they weren't forgotten. You know, they were still included. They, they had a plan in place. And, yes, it will be, you know, in that, you know, winter-spring kind of season, for them, they at least get to have their opportunity to go out there and have a season as well. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of sports going on at once there if they uh, end up playing in the spring. It will be. Yeah, for volleyball, for example, they're going to compete in 22 conference matches. Uh, it's going to be a 10-week period between January 22nd and March 27th. Uh, so around that time, you got men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling, um, baseball, softball starting up in that time frame. 
And then I think a couple, maybe track and fields, swimming and diving would also overlap in that area. Uh, women's soccer, uh, it's going to be a little bit later, March 4th through April 11th. Uh, so they, they, they are, I guess, placing it strategically so you don't have all the sports going in one area. And then field hockey between March 12th and April 24th. Uh, so that's, again, I guess they're trying to spread it around, not just have every single sport start at the same time. Uh, but volleyball, women's soccer, field hockey all coming back. And then they also released, uh, not basketball, but they did have the, the winter sports operational plan. And for that wrestling eight-week season starting January 1st through February 21st with conference quad and tri-meets scheduled by the conference, um, men's, women's uh, swimming and diving, their season begins on November 5th. So they start right after uh, football starts on the 4th. But... There's a plan in place. I like that, you know, the other sports, maybe the sports that are non-revenue generating, get their shot to go out there and play, and they get to, you know, have a season and, and still uh, compete in their sport because that's, you know, athletes are, uh, you only have a certain time frame to go out there and compete at the highest level. But it's encouraging to see. We'll take another short break writing in Sportsman. Again, the phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. It's a Sportsman presented by J&K Contracting. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. When there's something strange lurking under your bed, who are you going to call? Dustbusters! Athens Dustbusters are a licensed, bonded, husband and wife team that offer up top-of-the-line janitorial services at great prices, and they serve commercial and residences across Southeast Ohio. As the seasons change, don't worry about the cleanup. Call Athens Dustbusters at 740-541-7113 for a free quote. But don't just take our word about the Athens Dustbusters. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm John. And we're Athens Dustbusters, and we will bust your dust. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740 698 for a free estimate. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. It's the Sports Fan right here on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Nelson Mike along with Joe Medor up until 7 o'clock. Find us Mondays through Fridays, 6.06 through 7. Weekdays, and then, of course, you go high school sports on both stations. we got WXTQ, Power 105, and then right here on Classic Hits 970 WATH. Bulldogs normally right here on 970, and, of course, we'll have them for their basketball season as they get started sometime late in November. And then, of course, the Athens County Game of the Week, always on Power 105, basketball included. Brad Walker, and I think Joey Medora will be on the call with him, so he's not flying solo some of the time this year. Am I right on that, Joey? You're going to be joining the broadcast. Is that news yet or no? You tell me, man. I, I go where I'm told. Uh, I mean, I know it's been talks uh, when me and Troy talked about it. I'm fairly certain that's the uh, direction we're heading there. But um, There we go. At least we got Brad. We, we got one solidified broadcaster. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, I mean, if the opportunity is there, I'm taking it. I'm just waiting for the call. I was looking for a I'm yes I'm waiting or for no. the call to the big leagues. All right. I don't know. Who, who, who you would, is that a, a Troy call that you got to make? 
I, I don't know. I don't. It could I, be a I prank call. Who's, I don't know who's in charge around here. I just kind of show up. And, uh, I don't know. Depends on what you want. If, I mean, I got some things. Troy's got some things. You know, Brad's got some things. Uh, Brad's you know. not in charge of anything. You can call Frazy. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Frazy can help you out with something. Right? Or Heath. Heath and I will be over at the uh, game on Trimble, or game over in Gloucester for the Trimble game, as it's the uh, Trimble Tomcats in the second round. And that should be a fun game between Trimble and Monroe Central. I heard 740 Zone will not be making the trip there. I was talking to the guy uh, a little bit yesterday. But, uh, you know, we always got you covered right here over on Power 105. Uh, that will be a 6.50 for a pregame, 7 o'clock be kickoff. And Heath and I are bringing the, the Jambulance out there. If you see us, wave, say hello. I don't know if we can have a big crowd. I don't. I mean, obviously, we can't have a big crowd. Um, but it, we'll have the Jambulance there, flashing the lights, playing the game. Then, of course, we'll bring the Jambulance over to Nelsonville, York on Saturday. I have a little better of an event over there as well, as it's Nelsonville, York against Sims Valley. And you know, I talked a little bit with Rusty Richards earlier today. He said, we're in the press box. We're good to go, which is always a positive. I'm going to keep you warm then. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I told Coach. They put no, you I, in the cold at Alexander. They did, but, I mean, that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll brave the colds, go oh, yeah. call these games. Um, yeah, they're big games. I told Coach, you know, as long as we're in the stadium somewhere, just put us anywhere and we'll, we'll go call that game. It's going to be a cold weekend, too. It's only a high of 55 on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, but at least, again, at, we're, we're in the press box for Trimble, which is good. We're in the press box in Nelsonville, York, and then hopefully they make a couple of deep runs and you know we'll break out the winter jackets. Of course, the face masks help with that. You know, it keeps our face warm a little bit. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That, that's, if there's one positive thing about it, when it's a little chilly outside, that cover, it warms you up. It does. Uh, but, you know, there, there is a good chance that Trimble can, can put up a lot of points against Monroe Central. We've got to wait and see. And then, of course, Nelsonville, York, the higher seed against Sims Valley. Uh all fun games coming up this weekend. See how Drew Carter and Tabor Lackey both do in their first shots as uh, you know in the postseason. I mean, of course, last year was uh, was Kittle, Cameron Kill behind center for for Trimble, and now with Tabor Lackey, you know, he's got a little bit of a stronger arm. Kittle, of course, was athletic, doing almost anything that you know Coach Ferris was asking him to do, and of course when. Howie Caldwell called his name on the basketball court. He was able to do a lot of a lot of great things, and he was a preferred walk-on at Ohio State for Cameron Kittle. But now for Tabor Lackey, you know, I think he's got a little bit of a stronger arm. Uh, he's been developing you know, each and every week that we've seen him, uh, Heath Clemens and I, and you know, I think that you know, Trimble's now opening up the offense. It's no longer just solely the wishbone. It is a you know, little screen pass here. Uh, you can throw a little bit of a deep pass. You got your mid-range. You know, it, it is a, a more complete offense than it has been in the past, and I think that benefits, you know, the Tomcats moving forward. Yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be an interesting matchup, I think. Um, you look at a 16 seed, right, in Monroe Central, and, you know, you, you probably just sit and, like, okay, Trimble's won, they're playing the 16, they're going to be all right. But if you look at the schedule, I mean, they played a tough schedule this year. Monroe Central, a loss to River, who, of course, is who Waterford is playing uh, this weekend. What was the score of that one? 28-6. Uh, so, you know, not a... Not a blowout. I mean, it's a couple, a few touchdowns there, but, you know, we've obviously seen worse around here. They also played Caldwell, who's the sixth seed. That's who Eastern's playing, and they lost that one 36-33. And, you know, Caldwell beat Eastern 34-20. So, you know, this is a team that uh, they have hung in some ball games with some really good teams in this region. So, you know, 
I think Trimble handles business because, you know, that's just what Phil Ferris does in the postseason. He will have his guys ready to play. Especially well, at home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, this Monroe Central team, I don't think they're going to come in and lay down there just because they're playing the number one uh, seed, a number three team in the AP poll in uh, Division Seven across the state. This, this could be a team that could, uh, you know, hang in there with the Tomcats. We've seen the Tomcats defense get better throughout the season. I mean, they came a long way after giving up 28 points week one against uh against nelsonville york and then of course only allowing the one touchdown against eastern and since then they've been they've been perfect on the defense side of the ball uh getting back to kind of old triple form there but uh you know we'll see what happens i uh, i believe you know trimble they're they're i think they're still going to end up winning by multiple scores in this game but i wouldn't be surprised if early on you know monroe central gets a couple stops uh keeps it a little bit close Throughout the first uh, maybe quarter, couple quarters, but uh, in the end, Trimble and Tabor Lackey is going to, as you mentioned, the offense has opened up at his disposal this year, and Bryce Downs did a good job in the backfield. Blake Guffey's probably the best player in the conference, uh, especially watching him at wide receiver. And, uh, you know, they got those big, strong guys up front that can uh, that can cause issues on both sides of the ball. Hey, you so said Trimble, you know, we, we've come to expect this, right? We, you know, postseason football, the Tomcats are going to show up to play. And, uh, you know, they've got a good chance to uh, start growing as a team because, as we mentioned, this is still a very young football team. This will be a lot of those, these guys' first ever playoff game. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some of that youth early on in the game, but I think throughout the game they'll settle down and start to, start to pull away a little bit. Only four seniors on this team. And it's not including any of your real big skilled players. I mean, you got Blake Guffey, who has really been tremendous all year long. Uh, Guffey is wide receiver. He Junior. can kick. Uh, wide what did I say? I say the junior. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a junior. I thought you said I said that he was a senior. I, because I anyway. Um, yeah, wide receiver, kicker. I mean, the guy just does it all. Uh, but Guffey has been impressive. Bryce Downs, who's a junior, uh, can run the ball. Was a tight end last year. You know, the whole offensive line had to get replaced. Um, so it's been an impressive year for Trimble, who thought you know, a lot of people outside of Gloucester might have thought. Uh, well, you know, they graduated a lot of seniors last year. I don't know how good of a team they're going to be this year. You got a new quarterback. You got, you know, a, a guy who's at running back at the tailback position who hasn't really been a tailback at all. Um, but you, this team has come together. Uh, they have proven that they are still the Trimble Tomcats, and they, they've responded with, you know, four shutouts in a row, Belpre, Southern, Waterford, South Gallia. So yeah. All, all, all big, big wins especially against, you know, big win against Eastern. That was close, 10-7. to A big win against Waterford, 14 to nothing. Two teams that are still in the postseason. And a win over, you know, Division 6's Nelsonville York Buckeyes, who are, the, again, the sixth seed in, uh, in their region, Region 23. Uh, and they, they beat them 34-28, a nice close win against Nelsonville York. So I, it's a team that's proven this year. Well, yeah, what, what you said there at the beginning of the season, I think where the doubts some doubts. I think people still thought they were going to win the majority of their game, but they could slip up against maybe Nelsonville, York, or Eastern, or Waterford. Maybe one of them could get them. I think what was running through the mind was that group of seniors last year were historically great. Obviously, they went to the state championship game their junior year, their senior year. They went undefeated, played in maybe the toughest region in Division Six in the state where there was five undefeated teams, the only team playing in a second-round matchup with two undefeated teams in it, right? So I think we said, well, they're not going to be that team. But what we forgot was that team was ridiculously good. They shut out, uh, they gave up six points in the regular season last year 
They shut out nine of the ten teams they played. And obviously, yeah, they weren't going to replicate that this year. That's, that's a pretty tall ass. So I think in that we realized, ah, okay, so maybe they could have a, a bit of a down year, quote-unquote, by Trimble standards. But if you sit back and think about it, it's just like, yeah, well, I mean, nobody could have <laughs> stepped up to what that team last year and the year before that did. Yeah, well, a quote-unquote down year this year is still third in the AP poll. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's impressive. You know, and, and again, it's it's just a testament to what you know Trimble has built over there in Gloucester. It's a uh, real storied program, and I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. And they really get to make their mark coming up on Friday, because now here's here's our first chance at to see what this young group of kids can do out on the football fields in big, meaningful games. They won close games. They beat Nelsonville York close, 34-28. They beat Eastern close, 10 to seven. They beat Waterford close, 14 nothing. Now, a two-score game, but still, I mean, that game was close. So they have the their battle tested, and now they're ready to go out there and prove it. And they get their first crack at it against Monroe Central coming up on Friday. Uh, didn't talk a whole lot about it, but Nelson New York Buckeyes on Saturday. We'll talk more about it you know, later on in the week. But they, again, have Sims Valley, uh, who comes off a big win. And uh, that'll be a home game for Nelsonville York. And if they advance, uh, they will most likely be away for the rest of their postseason but we wait and see exciting week coming up and then of course you get Joey Medor for the, the post game show Heath and I will be out there uh, calling those games coming up this week so looking forward to it this has been the sports fan right here on 970 and 97.1 FM WATH big thanks to Joey Medor I'm Connor Mills signing off CBS News at the top of the hour is next we'll see you tomorrow 606